Hey, Mohammed, how are you doing? Doing well. How about yourself? Yeah, really good. Thanks. So we are live. We are live on the podcast now. Amazing. <laughs> thanks for joining me, by the way. No worries. It's good to be on. Yeah, definitely. And it's always good to talk. We've we've spoken a few times, you know, over the yeah. past year or so. Exactly. Uh, you know, but it's it's always been kind of you know uh, the business related, uh, exactly. DPW related. Yeah. This is kind of like an opportunity where we kind of get to know each other. I guess on a on a more kind of from the from the eyes of a fan because we're exactly. both fans of wrestling. Definitely, hundred so percent. It's, like, it's 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 really cool to be able to sit down and speak to you, and also you're sort of the the first person that I'm speaking to from Dubai, essentially. Amazing. And I, I I live here, obviously. I love it. And yeah. when I first got here, the first thing I did was check the TV stations for uh, WWE, and exactly. I found it. I found it. I can't remember what it was. Was it like OSN channel yeah, or something? Yeah, we had it on OSN, yeah. And there's like a host. There was like the two hosts. And it was like exactly. a catch-up show. I remember seeing it. Yeah, yeah. We have our own Arabic version of like a catch-up a WWE session called Wal'uha. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. But of course, so let's let's rewind then. Uh, yes. let's, let's go back to the beginning. I want to ask you, what, what are your first memories watching wrestling? When was the first time you ever saw it? Um, I think it was way back, way back. I was around three years old. Like that's my first memory I could think of. Mm. And it was um, the Hell in a Cell match, funny enough, with Undertaker and Mankind in 1980. And I remember my brothers were in love with wrestling back then. It's funny now that they're, they've faded out of it, but I've still stuck around since the age of three. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the first memory. I remember seeing The Undertaker's entrance, and it was just an on. That's why he's my favorite wrestler to this day. Yeah, And just remembering that moment where mankind fell off the cell and just fell how many feet I don't even know and just like crashed into that table and that was just a shock imagine just a three-year-old watching that yeah <laughs> just draws you in so that's my first ever memory of actually watching wrestling and the rest and what was history. it like like over obviously on, on this side of the world where did you see that match was it on like VHS yes like that's the thing we never got it live here we'd always get it through a um, like a video shop down the street and like it would be one of those nice. knockoffs like VHS recordings, you know, with like WWE written in Arabic and, and you know, <laughs> you get them recorded and cut sometimes because they would cut off the diva matches, you know, just for uh, cultural purposes. Um, yeah. yeah. But that was my first memory. Yeah, we used to go down to the store and get some VHS tapes and we just used to collect them and they used to be weeks in advance. They never used to be <laughs> on time. So we'd always be the late ones. But that's, that's how I amazing. remember it. Yeah. I mean, for me, like in, in the UK, if you wanted to watch the, the shows, you needed to have cable. And I never had cable growing ah, up. Okay. So we would watch the catch-up shows. We had Sunday Night Heat. I don't know if you remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah I do. We had Sunday Night Heat, and it was on it was on the free channels. So I was oh, able okay. to watch that. Yeah. And obviously, it shows what happened on Raw and things yeah, like exactly. that. So that was how I kind of came into it, was all these like small catch-up shows. And at the same time, they also had a 
catch-up show for WCW at the time. Yeah. And to be honest with you, WCW, I saw that before WWE. I remember seeing the NWO and Goldberg before, and I was like maybe seven or something like that. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, and I had no idea, and like my family thought it was real. Yeah. So they used to always watch Goldberg, and exactly. you know, and obviously Goldberg just destroys everyone. Oh no, yeah. Yeah, and then when they found out it was uh, it was fake, they, yeah. they they were everybody in my family stopped watching it. My parents exactly. were like, "Jay, you should stop watching it." But I I was I never stopped being a fan. You know? Yeah, same. <laughs> so, likewise, that's the best thing, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. like you just carry on. And yeah. if you um if you had to uh, like pick a favorite moment, looking back, like a mm. a match uh, or, or even a moment, like a a promo or something, what would it be? Let me think. I think those are two separate things. So I think if I would think of a match, a most memorable match I would have, I think it would be more recent um, just because I was more aware of it rather than me being a kid just watching it. But I think yeah. uh, the most memorable match for me to this day is Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. I think the first time around in Ooh, WrestleMania. Okay. 25. That, yeah, 25. That was... I remember watching that and I couldn't stop repeating it. Like when it was done, I would watch it again and again and again because the whole storytelling of that whole thing. And then when they did it the second time around, it was just as better. So I think that was one of my most memorable matches I've ever seen. It's just stuck to my head to this day. And every time I would go back and just study it over and over and just look at the psychology and how these two men just go at it and give you everything they have. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. What about a moment though, like a specific, um, like, mm, it, but you know, even backstage yeah. or something? Mm. I think something that me and my brothers, and to this day, even my older brothers who watched it back in the day, and we still go back and watch over and over, um, is two moments. They're, they're both with The Rock. Uh, mm-hmm. One would be the time where The Rock did his promo. Um, I think it was with, um, who was it? Kevin Kelly. It was Kevin Kelly and The Rock. And, oh, and they yeah. had the promo where he went through everyone. He went through The Undertaker. He went through uh, Rikishi. He went through Kurt Angle. And he did all those impressions yeah. and that character. I think that moment was the moment that I saw a different side to wrestling in the sense where it was entertaining. You know, it made me yeah. laugh. It, it drew me in rather than the aspect of like the whole theatrics of the wrestling part and everything. I think that moment was very change, like life-changing for me in that aspect. And we still watch it to this day. Like we'd go back and just recap and watch it over and over. And I think the second okay. one was, um, I think it was off air because it was such a long promo. It was mm. when um, Stone Cold and The Rock went on and did like a sing along. <laughs> like, even though, oh, yeah, even though towards the end they were still like singing along and they were like acting friendly and stuff, The Rock still turned on him in the end and kept the kayfabe alive, you know, where he yeah. rock bottomed him. And it was just amazing. I remember those two moments. We still watched it over and over again because it was more of the entertainment side of wrestling rather than the theatrics of the acrobats and wrestling part, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, for me as a kid, I, I don't know why, but I was glued to the screen when Kane took off his mask. Oh, yeah. When when that happened, that I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, definitely. Like, oh, man. And it was just because you didn't know what to expect. Exactly. And I was kind of scared. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, I, you know, it's just definitely. And you just you can't look away. Like, yeah, it was the, the perfect scene. moment because they the, the way they portrayed him post mask as well. 
like in the sense where he just removed his mask, still kept the whole fear of the big red machine. You know, they didn't take that yeah. away from it, you know, and it was scary to see him without the mask as much as it was seeing him with the mask, you know? Yeah. So that was... It's so crazy. You didn't know what to expect. Exactly. I think another favorite moment I had was uh, Brock Lesnar superplex in the big show. And then the whole ring just like broke. (laughs) That was memorable, (laughs) definitely. But what was it like uh, on, obviously on on this side of the world that we're we're in, when was it first on TV? Like how how did you kind of catch pay-per-views and stuff? Was it purely VHS or was it like a combination of VHS, TV stations? uh, I think later on towards the 2000s, like... Um, the earliest memory I remember is, I think, two, around 2002, 2003, around those times, we started getting the WWE magazines because I used to collect ah. those as a kid. Yeah. So we never used to have those as well. But I remember around that time because I still have them to this day, like my collections of like the cover of Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio on on one of the covers in 2003, you know? So I remember those started coming up. And then um, bit by bit, like you guys, we started having Sunday Night Heat. We had Velocity. Mm. Um, Those used to be (laughs) on the free channels as well. Um, Later on, then they start, we started actually having a um, Egyptian uh, speaker, like an Arabic speaker who was in Egypt, who had a Mm. version of this Wal'uha that we currently have back in the day as Mm. well. And he always used to have the world heavyweight champion the old wcw looking one and he always oh the big gold belt exactly and so that was my earliest memory of it actually showing on tv slowly like started and they used to like catch it up as like the week after you know so it was almost instant um yeah then later on we actually surprisingly never had live wwe um like raw and smackdown until around um like 2008 2009 like we never really had live WWE. What we used to have was things that used to come up like weeks later, like in advance. Um, so the earliest memory I have is around 2008, 2009, when it actually was signed with uh, OSN, when they were like, oh, we're starting to like, now we have a partnership with WWE where we're going to show this and Raw and SmackDown the day bef- the day after, you know? Mm. Um but yeah, and pay-per-views used to be constant because that was like an international thing. We used to get it through Showtime back in the day. OSN used to be called Showtime. So we used to get it through that and we used to pay around, I think, like 99 dirhams for uh, mm-hmm. for a show. And it used to like replay for the day, like for 24 hours. Um, but, I remember, oh, nice. yeah, but I remember we'd always watch it because we were so young. So um, I remember watching it like, because it was on a Sunday to a Monday here. So like it in that time around the early hours of Monday in Dubai. Um, I remember we used to watch it while eating breakfast before heading to school. You know, we never used to <laughs> we never used to get enough time to like watch it because it would start at around like 4 a.m. here or 5 a.m. So we'd always catch the last yeah. bits, you know, eating our cereal by like 6 a.m. And then heading to school and then having to come back and watch it. But that was the earliest memory I have of actually showing it on TV. Yeah. 
I remember actually, uh, and this goes this goes way back. Like this, I think this was maybe 2011, 2012. And I have a memory of when I saw this online. Uh, I wasn't living here in Dubai yeah. at the time. I, I was a lot younger, but I remember, I vividly remember, there was like a video online of John Cena and Kane at the uh, Burj Khalifa, yeah. and something happened. I can't remember what happened. Yeah. I saw this years ago. Yeah, and he like. Gave him the AA or on something top, yeah. on top of the bird. Yeah, that was a huge thing. I remember it was one of their first times they actually came to Dubai after a long time. Um, because they never okay. used to do Middle East tours. But but funny enough, my family members told me back in 95 and 93, back in the day where Brett, Brett the Hitman Hart was big. And, you know, um, they used mm. to come to the Middle East, actually, to Kuwait and to Dubai to do shows. And that's what I never mm-hmm. knew because growing up, we've never seen that. We've never been integrated with that sort of scene, like wrestling here in the Middle East. But apparently before my time, like a few years mm. before I was born, they were coming a lot. And that's something surprising to me because I remember my uh, my mom's um, uncle, he's a doctor, and he'd be like, oh, mm. I know you like wrestling and you watch wrestling, but did you know that back in the day in, like, 93, I uh, gave an injection to uh, Bret Hart because he was ill when he was in Dubai? I was like, what? No yeah. way. And he was like, and British Bulldog was there as well. And I was like, what? Like, like, I can't believe it. You know, these people were actually yeah. here. And my aunt would be like, yeah, the Undertaker came to our office one time. I was like, they were doing promotional visits as well back then. So that was shocking that's to amazing. me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's before our yeah, time, exactly. isn't it? Because I think, it would be, like, we both kind of watched wrestling from the Attitude yeah, exactly. Era, you know, throughout the 2000s. Yeah. So. That's crazy. Yeah. But but what what happened with John Cena and so, Kane in that thing? So that was their, their comeback tour yeah, to, to, to the, the Gulf. Gulf. That was the first time they're back and they made it a big deal because they wanted to be in Dubai and make it a big thing. And like we're in the UAE again, blah, blah, blah. So they did a, a press conference at Burj Khalifa because it just recently opened. Like you said, it was around 2010, okay. 2011 or something like that. So Burj Khalifa opened around 2009, 2010, that time. So it was a, wow. it was a perfect opportunity to use the tallest tower in the world for WWE. So they did that yeah. whole press conference, and they actually installed uh, their breakable tables. You know those easy break tables for WWE yeah. as the as the table for where John Cena and all of them were talking. Um, all of a sudden, they wanted to promote the the match between John Cena and Kane. So they wanted someone mm-hmm. big. So Kane came in full gear. Um, I think he was wearing his mask back then again. Yeah, yeah. I remember He that. wore his mask again. So he came back and um, John Cena was like all shook and like, what? What is happening? And and he got up and they played the whole theatrics of it being like, what? What are you doing here? And then uh, Kane just chokeslammed him right on top and everyone got that picture perfect moment of like them yeah. being a thousand feet in the air, you know, like just high, high up and just being chokeslammed onto the table. And it was just like a moment, you know, they put it all over the news, like, oh, this happened in Burj Khalifa. And well, it was a big like press, press thing. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it it's so fun. crazy to see them do yeah. that. Like, like there. Yeah, exactly. Like, 
did you go to the, any other live events? Yes, did? I did. I actually went to, um, I remember back in the day, because this was the first ever event I've ever been to. It was back in 2007 mm -hmm. or 2008. Uh, WWE actually came to Qatar. So they went to Qatar, which is like a neighboring country oh. of ours. And we yeah. actually, like, we begged our dad, me and my younger brother, we begged him to go. We were like, we've never been to a live event. We've always watched it on TV. We want to see them do it live. We want to see them do it live. Um, so he bought us tickets and we actually flew there like the day of mm. and flew back the same day, you know. So we actually took like a, a round trip uh, back and forth from Qatar <laughs> just to watch it. And it was amazing. Like it was it was a nice first experience. Obviously, looking back at it now, having been to SummerSlam, WrestleMania live, you know, it's a different like, mm. it was very low scale compared to those. But I think you just get better every time you go to a, a live show. But um, yeah, it was definitely absolutely, and the fans oh, love it love because it. you know it's not that often exactly. that it comes. You know, I mean, even Europe, like it doesn't go. It, I, I guess now it goes there yeah, quite yeah. a lot. But back in the day, they didn't go there that yeah. much. Maybe once a year, yeah. and that was you know that was considered a exactly. lot. So I guess when it does come on on this side of the yeah. world, you know, it's kind of like it's a big deal, and it's an opportunity for everyone to kind of exactly. go. You know, all the kids are gonna ask you know their dads yeah. and stuff like, "Hey, can I yeah. go get, get me tickets?" Yeah. And, so that I can imagine the vibes must be really good. Yeah, the energy must be definitely. crazy. The fans would oh, love it. It's crazy. It was definitely fun. But I remember back in the day as well when they, they then after that Qatar trip, they came to do uh, Abu Dhabi. So they came to Abu Dhabi, went to that as well. It was amazing. They did like three nights. Um, we went there. It was fun. Then they did a second. That's yeah, amazing. they did a second one in uh, Dubai, and they made it like more of a theme. So they called it like Dune Bash or something like that. They gave it a name, you know. <laughs> and I remember at that time, though, um, I think they their ticketing prices were a bit different to what they are in like Saudi Arabia now, compared to, which is like mm -hmm. dirt cheap there apparently. Um, here it was very expensive to get your hands on some tickets. Like the cheapest tickets used to be around 400 dirhams, which is like almost 100 pounds, you know, just, just, just yeah. for the cheapest tickets. And like the most expensive tickets used to go up to like 2,000 dirhams to get ringside tickets, you know. So wow. the, the stadium, yeah, so it, wasn't, it wasn't packed. That's the only thing. And I remember because um, – when we do the meet and greets with some of the superstars, Alberto, Alberto Del Rio was one of them that when he came out and he stood on top of the turnbuckle taunting, the lack of sound mm -hmm. made him look and be like, what the hell? Like, where, is, where, is the, where are the fans, you know? That in the meet and mm -hmm. greets backstage, he was like, why is it so empty? That someone had to tell him, mm -hmm. oh, you know, the ticketing prices might have an effect, you know, because not everyone can pay that much to get into a show. And... And yeah. it's it's something you need to make cheaper. And he was like, "Yeah, it's not. It shouldn't be that expensive, you know. Yes, you should have tiers, yeah. but not the cheapest being almost a hundred pounds, you know. Um, exactly. So that was the big. And that in dollars, that's like a hundred and fifty dollars. Exactly. Yeah, or something. that's pretty expensive. And like where they're doing it in Saudi now, obviously, is a bit too cheap. Where things are like five dirhams yeah. for tickets, you know." Yeah, no like way. their most expensive ticket, which is the family area, because, you know, cultural uh, separation and like they have to do this and that. Mm. The most expensive tickets for a family bundle, which is a four people, is 250 dirhams. So that's really oh, cheap. That's yeah. amazing. So they, they've ticketed it a bit more <laughs> precisely for their audience, <laughs> you know. That's why they get 70,000 yeah. plus people packed into the stadium. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
that's fair yeah. enough as well. I can see both sides yeah, of it, exactly. you know. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no to exactly. a ticket. <laughs> that's a that's a yeah. nice way to kind of be a part yeah. of the show. So you know, you were obviously watching it over here. Did you ever get access to any of the other stuff like TNA at the time? Yes, actually, funny enough, TNA used to be shown um, on a um, network here called Fox Sports. So Fox Sports used to show TNA, and it used to be more frequent than WWE for some weird reason. And I'd never get, and I'd never understand why. Like, TNA used to be really big here to the point where they actually had a tour in Abu Dhabi that I had no idea about. TNA TNA actually came, Jeff Hardy, um, Kurt Angle, Bobby Lashley, all those big guys back then came yeah, yeah oh they came God. here and how i found out about it was my cousin texted me and was like mohammed um jeff hardy's at dubai airport i was like what do you mean he's yeah. like jeff hardy is in dubai airport i was like what do you mean and then i googled it and it turns <laughs> out that i just missed the tour and they're all leaving so he's he caught oh. him at the airport just as they were leaving and like i was so bummed that i couldn't go and see it and um, apparently it was very interactive as well like they did a lot of promotional visits and this and that and i was shocked that tna made their way here you know wait sorry so were they were they in dubai or both both they actually came and did like a tour which was surprising and like you can find pictures online if you actually google it and you can see that and it's very shocking i was like i never knew that you know that must have been yeah, incredible for yeah, its exactly. time because they were like a, a proper alternative exactly. what year this was, was around that? 2008 2007 as well yeah okay yeah, they yeah, were doing good yeah, at that exactly. time. You know? <laughs> yeah. They were doing great Booker as a company. And ever, everyone was there. Steiner. And like, it was filled with packed Exactly. With yeah, Sting. Sting was there. He came, which was shocking, you know? That's so true. No, that's really cool, actually. I, I didn't actually know that they had that presence. That's what I thought as know? well. I was like, we... how did you make it here? <laughs> you know? Yeah. My main kind of exposure to them, I guess, was on the internet. Because by that point, you know, by I kind of, you know, eventually your parents buy the computer and it's like a, a house yeah. family computer that everyone yeah. can use and you have to share it and it's connected to the really exactly. slow internet. <laughs> and I used to just go on the website. I used to just go on like tnawrestling.com and just yeah. browse it, look exactly. at all the wrestlers, you know. And that was kind of where it all kind yeah. of started, where we started discovering other exactly. and things like yeah. that so obviously li- this led on and you, you carried on yeah. watching it throughout all the 2000s throughout the early yeah. 2010s when did you decide that kind of you wanted to wrestle when what, what was the kind of the, the pre-beginning to the birth of DPW? so um what led me to want to wrestle i think it was early on in 2014 um when i moved to england so i moved to london to study Mm -hmm. for my um, bachelor's degree and it was Mm -hmm. early 2014 and i remember slowly being exposed to the indie scene in in england like the big scene that it was back then well still is um so um i remember seeing a lot of like Instagram posts and Facebook posts of like, oh, come and watch this show. It has like um, people like Will Ospreay. It has people like uh, Pete Dunne, who back then were just starting out, you know, um, just kicking off their career. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, actually, that sounds really interesting. Um, so I remember we booked our first show. The, so I had a knowledge of indie wrestling and all of that, but I never actually started training. 
So because the first mm-hmm. show I went to was around 2016, I think, and it was high stakes, um, Rev Pro high mm-hmm. stakes, and that was the match where everyone's still raving to this day with uh, Will Ospreay and Marty Skrull. It was like one of their first matches, oh, which yeah. blew up on the internet, and everyone started saying, "Who's Will Ospreay? Who's Marty Skrull?" and so on and so forth. Um, and from that day onwards, um, I found pro- progress as well. So after I found progress, mm-hmm. I was like, there must be a school somewhere. Um, so I Googled up wrestling school in the UK. Um, and then I found Projo. Um, when I found Projo back in 20, 2015 was when I started messaging. It was Daryl Allen who was uh, training back then. Um, yep. And I messaged him and I was like, um, hey, I'm from Dubai and... Um, I want to start wrestling and I love the shows and this and that. And he was like, yeah, sure. Come on down, you know, try it out. Um, I was like, definitely. So I started wrestling there at Projo all in the meanwhile, uh, my brother, my younger brother and one of my best friends who were still in Dubai at the time uh, met Caleb mm-hmm. Hall, who was uh, the main trainer okay. of DPW back in the day or who founded DPW from that time. Um, so how that started mm-hmm. was, there was a show um, with international talent, like multiple different people, not m- known people, but like just international mm-hmm. stars who, who were brought to Dubai to perform an indie show, one of its kind. I remember back in the day in like 2003, we used to have like CCW with like Gangrel and, and like um, Viscera, you know, like, so those people used to, used to come and wrestle just a bit. Um, but this, in Dubai, in Dubai, yeah, back in the day, in, in Dera. Oh God, so I'm amazing. sure you know the area Dera. Um, yeah, of course I do. That's where I <laughs> exactly. first stayed. So in one there. of those like sand pits, <laughs> they actually built a whole like mini stadium with like um, like poles and and a ring and like titantrons and like you know everything like a big screen and everything. And these hold shows almost every weekend called CCW in Dubai, and used to wow. pay like. What is it? I had no for? idea. Something like crash collision wrestling or something like that. And I remember okay. taking a picture back in the day with for ten dirhams only. I took a picture with Gangrel and Luna Vachon in one picture. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, that's so amazing. It was funny to see. And she was holding the old WWF women's champion. And it was funny that she mm. brought it over because I was like, this isn't a WWF or a WWE show, you know? So um, um that yeah. was back in the day. Um uh, and then so later on, they had this new show. They revamped it, and they it was this local guy who brought in talent from around the world, and he made one big show. I wasn't here to attend, mm-hmm. but my brother went, and it was in one of those like basketball mm-hmm. halls, very indie like. Um, only then yeah. did Caleb come out to the crowd. Caleb is um, is uh, who used to be the trainer. Used to train at OVW as well. He used to train with like. Um, uh, Batista and all of them back in the day in OVW when it was a thing, like a big thing, you know? Um, so he came mm-hmm. down and um, he came to the crowd and went to my brother and was like, what do you guys think of having a wrestling school in Dubai? Do you think it would succeed? Yeah. Obviously, my brother being a crazy fan of wrestling and wanting to learn, and so was my friend. They were like, yes, 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 yes. Make one, make one. So... Caleb was like, sure, um, here's my contact details. We might work something out. Keeping in mind, he was just here Mm -hmm. as a backstage crew for this show. He wasn't wrestling, but he was there as a backstage uh, member. Like, he was there just to promote stuff. So um, he never had the intention of staying in Dubai. 
Um, so later mm -hmm. on, I think a week later or something, he held a little session with them in JLT in a boxing uh, boxing ring. He rented it out um, mm -hmm. and charged like 60 dirhams per class. And they went in and they trained and they were like, wow, we're actually learning roles. We're actually learning the basics, you know, like things you wouldn't think you would learn at, to learn wrestling in the beginning. You know, like roles, what is mm -hmm. that, you know? Um, so he yeah. taught them the basics all while I was in London. So I was really excited to come back to Dubai to see this training school rather than going to Projo because somewhere in my my hometown makes me feel a little more comfortable rather than being a foreigner in a different country. Um, obviously, the levels of teaching yeah. were different, but you have like uh, you have in in respect to both of them, you know, you have one in England who's a different training style. You have a guy who came from OVW, which is a different training style. Um, so I was eager to yeah. learn. Um, so I started there in Projo and I actually had a few classes and I kept going and kept going and kept going. Um, and I think that's where it all mm -hmm. started of me wanting to become a wrestler. And, and and then when I came back to Dubai, I actually continued wrestling here and started honing it a bit more, um, being put in matches here, you know, like here and there, wrestling with different types of people, and then going back to the UK because I was only here for breaks in Dubai. So I'd go back to the UK and try and learn okay. some more, and then I'd bring it back here, and they'd learn from what I've learned there. Um, so that's where it started. Mm -hmm. But when it went forward, it just turned into something completely different. Like I started going to different schools and, and onwards. That was a crazy experience then in itself. And when was the decision made to, to kind of put on that first show? Who, who made the decision? When was it like, okay, right. We yeah. have a team of guys. We have yeah. enough of a roster. So it was prepared. back in April of 2000 and I'm trying to think of when DPW's first show was. Um, April of 2014 or 15, one of those years. Yeah. I'll have to double check on that. But it was one of those years. It was in April. I remember because that's where we'd always hold our anniversary shows around the beginning of April. Um, so it was in JLT where our trainer, Caleb, back in the day was like, uh, I think we have enough people. Um, some of you might do double matches, mm -hmm. but I feel like I want to put you in front of a crowd just to see how you guys work with a crowd so I know what to fix around, what to teach you, what to do, this and that. Um, so he made he made a flyer. Yeah. He put us all in matches. Um, I remember he put me uh, against my brother in a match. So he was like, let's, let's, he's like, let's wow. get that little uh, family feud going. I was like, sure, why not? You know, I'm comfortable with my <laughs> brother and we can we can call a match, I'm sure. Yeah. So he put that first show on and we had around, I think we were around six people. Um, so imagine six people putting mm -hmm. on like a, a six match card. So so we ha some of us had to do double matches. He put some in tag team matches. He put some in like singles matches. Mm -hmm. Um, he made some of us referees, you know, just filling in the gaps where he could. Um, and he just wanted to see. Mm. And it was funny enough because our first show, we got like news media coverage from um, a, a local news channel or like a local Arabian news channel called Al-Hurra, which uh, usually takes like, yeah. oh, like unusual things that are happening around. So they take it and they make a story. <laughs> Oh, sorry, Mohammed. It's uh, it's got kind of uh, quiet. I can't hear you properly. It's uh, it's it's making like an intermittent sound. 
let me try and walk. Um, can you can, can you, you hear, can me, you hear now? me now? Yeah. Ah, perfect. Yes. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, so you're talking about the show and, and the Yeah, and so the, they the took that the and they made it into a story and they asked us about how what we think of the scene here in, in the Middle East and how we want to build it up and so on. Um, so that's what we did. And um, we we were very excited. It was our first show, obviously. And, and obviously the crowd was filled with family members and close friends and so on and so forth. We didn't get that much exposure outside of our own little circle, but it was a good test run to feel mm. a crowd's reaction. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And to be a part of the first ever show is something special, Definitely. you know. Everything starts off like that. Even, you know, yeah. when you look at ECW, it was always yeah. just a small net exactly. circle and then it just grew. Like and, and a lot of those guys they wrestled for yeah, free. Exactly. Uh, you know, and even if even yeah. if they thought they were getting paid, sometimes, <laughs> you know, maybe Paul Heyman didn't yeah. <laughs> didn't owe them money. Uh you can you can uh, hear like I know Tommy yeah. Dreamer says he hasn't been paid a bunch of times. So yeah, it, definitely it comes down does. to the passion, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that's what it's that passion of doing. And I yeah. think what you did was good. I think yeah. you traveling back and forth, you know, to, 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 to the UK and then come in here, because as you said, Caleb was from OVW. Exactly. So he's got the American style, um, you know, Daryl yeah. Allen, I've trained with him loads exactly. and he's got that kind of technical British style. So yeah. you can mix it and you can come here and you can yeah. teach the guys what you know, which is amazing because you're exactly. spreading the information, yeah. you're passing the knowledge. So I think it's a great thing. What was, how did kind of DPW go from there? How did it grow? Did, you know, what, uh, what was the, uh, what were the beginning stages? Like so um, that after first that show? first show, we were on to moving to looking for a more stable location or a starting with a ring. Like uh, the, the boxing ring was turning out to be a bit of a, a nuisance. Like we, we never used to really feel comfortable in it i mean you can tell the difference between a mm. boxing ring which is like solid wood no no springiness no yeah. bounciness so it was solid wood and every time we'd slam on it and just go on go at it go at it go at it it would have some effect on us in the long run um so our first goal after that was to find a ring um so what we did was mm-hmm. um we actually uh, moved to HM Fitness, which was another gym, uh, which is now called the Dubai Bowling Center. Um, there used to be a gym there called HM Fitness. And um, funny enough, when we went there, um, we had not known that that was the location for WWE's tryouts um, before. Yeah. So like no John way. Cena, uh, Sheamus used to train there when they used to come on their tours. And um, Akam and Razar um, from uh, AOP were actually found in the tryouts mm. in that gym. Yeah. So we had not wow. known that only when we moved there. Um, the owner was very kind. He was like very open to the idea of having us there for no pay, like just free. He was like, I want a new thing. You guys can hold your classes mm-hmm. and this and that. But his office used to always have like WWE logo, a picture of him and William Regal. Uh, so he was like very showy in that aspect. And we had never known. And he was like, yes, actually the, an NXT mm-hmm. ring. Cause back in the day, the tryouts used to be solely NXT and not the whole rebranded WWE tryout. It used to be like an NXT tryouts. So um, he was like, yeah, mm. did you know the actual ring of the NXT ring was actually here where these jujitsu mats are? And we were all shocked and we never knew that. So that motivated us a bit more. Um, 
But after that, so we moved to that gym. HM Fitness was our next gym. Um, we still had a boxing mm. ring. We couldn't find anything um, to ship out here. We couldn't find um, a ring to make ourselves here because we had we didn't have any idea on how to make a ring. We didn't have blueprints. We didn't have any idea. We were all new to this. I mean, Caleb had a basic understanding, mm. but the capabilities of finances weren't on our side. Like we weren't big enough to just pay mm. three thousand five hundred five hundred dollars or five thousand dollars to ship out a ring from the states. Um, so we were thinking, trying yeah. hard and looking and looking until one day we were contacted by a, a promotion in Qatar called QPW. They've always had shows yep. with international talent like Booker T and, and Alofa, who's the Roman Reigns cousin. And like, you know, all the Bobby Lashley was on their show. Hmm. Jinder Mahal was on their show. So, yeah. Yeah, Carlito I, think I remember Carlito Masters were both like staples. So, yeah, so yeah. they, they, so the owner Ali contacted us and was like, um, "Can we? Can I come and like do a little tryout of my own to see you guys um, and see the company?" We we're like, "Yeah, sure." So he yeah. flew out to Dubai. We performed for him. We gave him a mini show, like a full-on card, and we showed him the show and everything. And obviously, he criticized us on what we needed to fix and that because he has an eye for like what real professionals do in his eyes. Um, no disrespect, you know. Uh, but mm-hmm. he he commented on this and that, and we respected that. We took all his criticism, of course, as an owner of another company. Mm-hmm. Um, all throughout this time, DPW mm-hmm. has solely been Caleb's. Nothing, uh, no shared partnership with anyone. Mm-hmm. It was Caleb's and Caleb's only. So all the proceeds were going to Caleb, and he's been putting it back into DPW. Uh, so after that, mm-hmm. um, we had... Um, we had Ali, the QPW owner, contact us and be like, hey, I've seen you guys do well, but I think you could uh, further boost your like potential uh, by having a real ring. We were shocked and we were like, oh, do you have a real ring? He was like, yes, I've been holding a lot of shows and we've recently built a new one. So how about we ship you our old ring? And we were like, anything helps. If you could ship us an old ring, sure. That would be, he was like, and then he told us, um, it was a yeah. funny note, which I remember. He was like, oh, but by the way, the white uh, mat, the ring mat, um, just make sure you dry clean it because there's a few blood stains of Chris Masters and Carlito. <laughs> so make sure you wash it beforehand. I was like, oh, oh no. Um, so that was funny. But um, he actually shipped it out. It did take a few months. Like it, it, it was really prolonged for what, for what it was. But at, eventually we managed to get the ring. Mm. We installed it at HM Fitness. Um, we were really happy with it. I mean, there were a few um, nicks and knacks here and there that we didn't like, but we were thankful to have a real ring at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Um, there was stuff like it was too high. Like if, if you saw it in person, you'd know that it's too high. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes like up to your chest when you're standing, when it should really go down to your waist, you know, so you couldn't really slide into the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and throwing people out of it was a bit of a hassle because it was such a high fall. So there were those a few nicks and knacks that we didn't like, but yeah. we were happy to have it. The the whole ring was fine. The turnbuckles were fine. The ropes were fine. So it was a base, It was a good start for us. Um, and that, what was the uh, the size? Uh, was it eighteen? Uh, by I think 18 it was eighteen or, by eighteen. By it was a pretty big ring. Um, it was bigger than the indie ones that I was used to in uh, the UK. So that was definitely, definitely different. Okay. 
Yeah, the UK ones, those indie ones are, are yeah. traditionally yeah. about 16 by 16. And then I think WWE, or at least for WrestleMania, yeah, I think they pretty... use 24 by 24. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. So that's so you can, yeah, I, I imagine I imagine yeah. QPWs would be slightly exactly. bigger because they, they put on those big shows. Yeah. But that's so nice yeah, of him. Very to, nice. To and he didn't ask for anything you, in return. You know? If anything, we made a partnership early on and we were like, um, we he was like if you guys do have any people that are ready you think just let me know i will fly back down i will watch you guys and then i will take a few with me to perform on these shows that we have later on in the year um yeah so okay how long did the, um, the it lasted for, a while until they had a show called um super slam um which they actually called for myself um my younger brother uh, my one of my closest friends. Um, so the, the so our wrestling names were Faisal Imarat, which was me, uh, Al Break, which was my brother, my yep. younger brother, uh, the Trickster, which was my friend, mm-hmm. um, and there was Cryptid, who was the mm-hmm. lizard guy of DVW. They called us four, uh, mainly because we were all locals and we didn't have to uh, make any visas or any of that sort, so there was no hassle of flying us out. Um, but then. Uh, but then um, during that time, it was the period in 2017 where I was called for a WWE tryout myself. So I had to pull out of, of the QBW wow. show, um, but my brother and um, my friends still went. Um, so when they went there, mm-hmm. it was, I think that's where the partnership slowly faded. And I'm not saying this in any disrespect to anyone, but it was just the way things went. Um it was more of a um, they they called them over there for a match. The match was planned to be a tag team match um, between myself and um, Cryptid versus my brother and the Trickster. So it was a tag team mm-hmm. match supposed to showcase us as a pre-show match. Um, obviously, I pulled out. So uh, and he respected that. I still have the conversation log that we had, and he was like, uh, "Obviously, the WWE tryout is much bigger than this." So go ahead. You don't need to come. Don't worry about it. This and that. Uh, so they filled filled yeah. in another person from them their side called Mister H, who was like a luchador of theirs. So they filled in that gap. They meant for a tag team match, but once my brother and everyone reached, um, they gave them a little tryout. So they were like, "Okay, before you guys do anything, can we see a little bit about you guys? So can you do X amount of push-ups? Can you do X amount of squats? Can you do X amount of this and that?" And I think what they didn't like, um, my brother mm-hmm. and the guys, was that they did all this bef- without even telling them, like in the sense where, like, you flew us out here um, uh, on their expense, not not even on QPW's expense. So they flew themselves out there and they told oh. them to do like a mini tryout without them knowing. Um, obviously, they provided the hotel and they provided mm. like a place to stay, which is uh, very good of them, but they didn't provide the transportation fees. And at the same time, when they saw them doing the tryouts, they were like, oh, we didn't like this. We didn't like that. We didn't like this. So at the end of the day, we were like, we'll just scratch the match. You guys can still come and watch. And and they didn't even mm. test them on wrestling. They just tested their um, mobility, basically, and their agility and this and that. Um, so then they called off the match, and oh. none of them really appreciated that. Um, what they did come out of at the end of it, um, when they came back to Dubai, they were like, the only thing we appreciated was the the time spent backstage with like the likes of Rey Mysterio, John Morrison, um, Cody Rhodes, 
and uh, and Alberto Del Rio. They they had time to talk with these these wrestlers that are doing this day in and day out. So they got some lessons from them. Um, so that's the thing. So they still True. came out with something they're grateful for, but the whole experience wasn't the best. Yeah. 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 I guess that's normal, you know, miscommunication happens and sometimes, you know, uh, you know, but I, I, the, the good thing is, is that, you know, your brother exactly. and, and friend were able to take something positive, Definitely. which was the experience they had speaking yeah. to these established stars. Exactly. I think that's the, the key takeaway, you know, yeah. yeah, maybe it didn't go the way we wanted it, but at least we got something and, and the exactly. experience yeah. of probably, you know, traveling yeah. a bit on the road, flying out there, staying in, in the accommodation you can always look for the positives yeah. and and that's you know it's understandable so yeah. well that's pretty cool actually so that led to the dpw kind of building and developing when did you uh first come to the kind of agreement that you were so that came about how did when, that go um, later on so while dpw was still growing and um we were we were thinking of expanding caleb was thinking of expanding he actually asked for a partner so he brought in a group of us like a hand selected few maybe three of us and asked if we would like to partner up with him obviously he um he did he he thought the more the merrier but when i came up to him i was like if we keep it more compact of the owners for example if you and i so caleb and i had a share in this company it would be more of a uh, like we'd be able to control it a bit more rather than having four different partners, each of us having a different say. Um, so it would be more hectic. So I thought, let's keep it between us. And he agreed. And that's when we took over. So yeah. it was us, the Albrechts and Caleb merging in. We bought a few shares and that all that money went into like um, repairs, um, flyers and this and that. So we put in a sum of money and we got a few shares out of it. And, that's when we started picking up. Um, we got a deal with Dubai Sports World in the summer, um, which is a big thing here. And it's like a three-month mm -hmm. event in uh, Dubai and DIFC, so Dubai International uh, Financial Center. Um, they, they have in the World Trade Center, they have a huge yeah. uh, area convention for sports. And like it's all free. So anyone can come in and come in and watch it and this and that. Wow. So after that first time, we've had it for three years in a row. And they loved us and they wanted us to keep on coming. Yeah. And and at the beginning, um, we had to pay a fee. So there was a fee to pay for the rent. But obviously, we were getting a lot of exposure through that. And we were wow. getting new students, new people watching. We've had big, bigger crowds, crowds that we've never had before. And that's where we started thinking we should capitalize on a championship. How about we do a championship match? Uh, so we thought, let's do a yeah. match, uh, a tournament Let's do a tournament, a world championship tournament. So we started off that tournament in the world, uh, sports world, and we built it up, built it up all throughout, all throughout. And then we made a huge storyline of Savage Sam, who's undefeated in the DPW, and Faisal Imarat, who's the hero of the UAE. And we built that whole, like, uh, yeah. that storyline going. And we did promo videos. We we went to Dubai Mall in our in our full gear promoting our shows, you know. We did some, yeah, we did some guerrilla marketing and like we, we tried our ways to get this out there and exposed. And that became one of the biggest storylines in DPW, in my opinion, and I'm sure everyone would agree, is Savage Sam and Faisal Marat, because that went on for a long time. And 
and we just built it up until the championship match and everyone was like this is the time sam will lose like he can't be undefeated this long he can't you know the uae hero must defeat him and we played that whole gimmick and then savage sam won the championship and then after that everyone was now like okay we not only have to defeat the streak but we have to take away that championship so it became more of a name you know sam just kept on growing so we built that whole whole championship vibe around his streak and and how big his character is you know we built a whole thing around that championship and that was what we wanted to do we wanted to give the championship enough enough exposure mm-hmm. but at the same time with the right person so that we could get the championship to have a bigger meaning that it should have you know to give it that big grander than life uh yeah. image and i think that's what we achieved with that I think from a business point perspective, that was the smartest thing you could do because just like, you know, Rock and Austin or you always need a hero and, a, and you know, and the yeah. villain, the an antagonist and protagonist. And it's the best exactly. thing from a business standpoint, especially yeah. for the beginning. And I think you did the right thing uh, from a fan point of view. I also think the content you were putting out was awesome i've seen like a lot of the almost almost all the videos on your youtube channel and i remember vividly when i first moved here uh one of the first videos i saw was uh i think savage sam like hitting caleb and caleb was the referee and he was like you know i don't want to do this but i think i'm gonna have to face you in the ring and i remember seeing that thinking whoa like this is crazy (laughs) this is like a full it's like a full production is it you know and that that's missing in a lot of indie companies a lot of indie companies the things that they miss is good production value good storylines and and storylines that you can be invested in as a fan so i think you were doing the right things you know how how did it go from your end what was the reception like hello Hey, Mohammed. Sorry hey, about that. No worries. Yeah, so I mean, I was just saying, what was the reception to obviously the championship tournament and, and the storylines that you were putting out? How, how did that go with everyone? Um, so um, we had in mind that we wanted to um, create a buzz around the tournament and not leave people um, like already knowing who's going to win. So we didn't want that whole like, oh, Savage Sam is winning for sure. Um, we always wanted that factor of like, oh, Okay, it might be Savage Sam, but who in the competition might rise to the occasion and match up to him? So we had to build that as well. So instead of putting Sam against our top people, we put him against some of our top. We'd mix it in with some of our mid-carders. We'd mix it in into into, into different types of people. But the person that we wanted to f- match up to him, we were like, okay. So say, for example, it was myself, Faiz, and Imarat. We were like, mm-hmm. okay, we need to put Faiz against our top people to show everyone that he's a contender. And mm-hmm. that's what we had in mind because we didn't want the predictable person being the one to be predicted to win. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how it went. Um, people were we're cheering but everyone was like no for sure you're gonna win savage sam for sure you've beaten this person you've beaten that person you've beaten this person savage sam can't beat you you know Uh, and that's what the reception we had we had a lot of people that were fan favorites and it was clear because people were cheering like they've never cheered before um we had a guy come over from the uk called rich and famous um who's now sunset skip 
and he he was received very well by the fans because he had prior experience he had a few years on his back from the uk he was wrestling in the indie scenes there so once he came here um he knew how to work a crowd unlike some of our newer guys and um so that was definitely received really well from the fans like they loved it people were coming back week after week because we had we held it every friday Mm-hmm. so people were coming back and it was the same faces and people were messaging us on facebook on instagram asking us when the next show is or what the new card is for the show and so it was received really well that's pretty cool it's nice to see that there was like a recurring yeah. uh kind of fan base and, exactly. and that kind of growing team of people yeah so what, what of course what happened with uh caleb uh, over time because i know that when i came here I briefly spoke to him over email and then I think he put me in touch with uh, Sam briefly. And then after Sam, I think it was uh, through the me and you met through the the Instagram. Yeah. Uh, So what was what happened? How long was he here for? So um, Caleb started this whole thing back in 20 end of 2013, beginning of 2014. Um, Mm. He started it out. So he definitely has the credit for finding this whole company. Like he found it and he brought everyone together um he worked hard he put in his work and time and effort and everything but i think it got to a point where um he thought maybe he's a foreigner here he doesn't know how much farther he can go with it and risking Mm -hmm. his time and and his life maybe he wanted to wrestle as well we still aren't sure about that aspect of it because we've lost a little bit of contact um Mm -hmm. But um, he decided to go back to to America. I think in early, uh, I mean, sorry, late 2018. Mm. I think he decided to go back, and it was around August 2018. Hey, he went back to the states to finish up some personal uh, issues, and mm-hmm. he decided to stay there. And that left us in kind of a state of shock, mm. um, because at that time we were in our newer area, and so the DPW has only kept on growing and growing. So we started off in JLT with a really small boxing ring. We moved on to HM Fitness with a still a boxing ring, then moved on to a wrestling ring. Then we moved mm-hmm. even bigger. We moved into Just Play, which had multiple facilities and a huge uh, database of of kids and different types of people. So we definitely worked with them in Just Play, and we grew even bigger. Um, and so obviously the rent in these places kept on going higher and higher and the amount of money we'd have to put in was getting higher and higher. Mm-hmm. So that's when we partnered up with Sam as well. So I said, I can't do it alone. Um, Caleb is now leaving or has left. Um, Sam integrated with me. So it was funny because it's like you're talking about Stone Cold and The Rock <laughs> merging to own a company. So yeah. um, we we merged and we we owned the company together. We had visions of what we wanted it to be. Um, we had visions of how we wanted it to turn out. Obviously, the rent in Just Play was a bit too high for us, um, especially for the ter- like the amount of or the lack of profit we were making. Um, and obviously, we knew that we'd have to work harder and put in a lot more effort in order to get a turnaround um, with profits. Um, so we definitely thought um, of like revamping everything. So that's when we came up with a new idea. We were like, not only are we going to revamp the championship, we're going to get a whole new belt. The previous belt we had made um, was by one of our students. His dad was like a... Um, 
he used to make like belts for boxings uh, for boxing events and stuff wow. like that. Yeah. So we were lucky to fall into the hands of someone like that and he didn't charge us anything. He made a simple little like a fake leather belt. Um, mm-hmm. It was a bit puffy. It like it didn't look the best, but we were happy to have it. It was white. Yeah. It looked like the old Intercontinental White Championship back in the day. Um, oh, so, the yes. classic. Yeah, the classic. So he made it look like that. Um, we liked it. We were like, oh, it's good to have. So that was our first championship. But once we had the new ownership of me and Sam solely, um, we were like, now we need to really revamp it. So we got this whole new design. I went ahead and I designed the titles. Uh, I'm saying titles because then we decided to have a second title later on as well. Mm. So I designed both of them and um, we took it and we um, we sent it over to a company to make for us. We paid a sum of money and they delivered to delivered it to us and we were in love with the titles. It was really professional work and it looked outstanding um like to see our designs come to life and that was the start of it we had a whole new revamp title everyone loved the look of it everyone wanted to take a picture with it when we had events everyone wanted the title around their waist um it was really really good um is that the gold one with the dpw logo in the middle with the black kind of belt with the eagle yeah it looks like an eagle yeah that's the one so um we really and we did a whole reveal on instagram live um we everyone was going crazy for it people were screenshotting it they loved it um so that was our first step of like rebranding ourselves um after that um we decided to get a second title and that was because Mm. we thought like you said from a fan's perspective we 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 like the whole like okay there's someone with a streak and and he has the title, but we want to see some change here and there, you know? So in order not to sacrifice the streak or for just the sake of changing titles, um, we decided to throw in a new title. And this also came, okay. came to mind when we were getting a lot of messages from people, international talent, um, asking to fly over here on their own expense. Like people were like, we're flying to Dubai anyway, because we're going to Singapore, mm. we're going to here, we're going to Japan, but we're stopping over in Dubai we would love to come and wrestle at your show because it's a new place they can add to their list of international places they've wrestled in. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's where we thought, we thought, okay, we're getting a lot of international messages. So why don't we make an international champion? So a DPW international championship belt. So that's where we thought we made a whole new design. We did the whole layout and everything and that's the time we decided to make an international championship for those of the people who come into dpw and who are new and and international stars in their own right but who can represent dpw outside of the emirates as well like we'd happily give them the title to take around wrestle anywhere they like with it um you know Mm. that's the next step we wanted to do for rebranding um, we held a huge show, a uh, two-day event. That was the biggest one we've held of its kind. And we got a huge turnaround, surprisingly, because we marketed it a lot. Um, we got a graphic designer to do the whole marketing. We did um, hype of it in weeks in advance, like we were revealing the brackets of the competitors in the tournament day by day. Um, and and that was the biggest tournament we've ever held. Um, I think it was around like 18 people. I forgot how many mm-hmm. people we had, so many people. And it was filled with diversity and different people. And 
and we held the show over a course of two days and our turnaround was like in terms it was a free show we wanted it to be a free show because we wanted it as content for dpw's youtube channel and that was mm-hmm. the thing that we had problems with before is that we had a dpw all access almost like our own network and mm. that's where some people disagreed and some people agreed that we might not be at the stage yet to charge people for watching our stuff because we're really not that big so that's at least for me i disagreed with that because i didn't feel like we were that big enough to be charging people yet at least for to view it online or as an international platform we should showcase our stuff for free at least until people get the hang of it and start getting connected with people then we start capitalizing on that um But that's where what we wanted to do when we changed ownership as well. We were like, we want all our content to be free. We want exposure on an international level. Um, so we did that two-day event. We filmed it all. Uh, we had some of the best matches we've ever put out. Well, we haven't put it out yet. That's the big next big thing, is that we had mm-hmm. filmed it all. We had done everything. But then when it came to like finding where the hard drive is, and that's where we lost all the footage. And that was a big bummer for all of us because we all worked so hard. We have clips here and there of what people have done, but we don't have the full show, which was a real mistake on our side for production and knowing who has the hard drive and where it goes. And and that was our first hiccup where we've learned from as a a company Mm -hmm. and as a team. Um, We've learned to take more precaution, to take... um, time and effort put a little more effort into like saving the documents rather than than like having it all go away for nothing but um the crowds were there and they were amazing um we had like mm-hmm. 50 plus people which we've never had before and they'd all mm-hmm. come back for the the day after as well so they were really invested with the characters we had theatrics wow. put in it was really really uh, it was a spectacle and i wish we had it on film but that's the saddest part of it all Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, uh, you guys have done shows in some really cool settings. Like, I, I, I think I've seen you guys do it on a beach. Yeah. You've had the ring outdoors. Yeah, yeah. We, like, that's incredible. Yeah. So the, the content you must have and the experience that you must have had doing it in different locations. Yeah. That's like no of other. Course. I mean, where can you think of, you know, certainly in the UK that there are no beaches yeah. doing shows like that. Yeah. So that's original and unique in yeah. itself. That's the beauty of Dubai is that you have have these different avenues that you can go down and do these cool things yeah Uh, i mean it's it's amazing to hear how it's kind of grown over time and you know even with the change in ownership you've always had the same vision it's always been that same and as you said it best yourself it's always grown yeah every year it's grown which is incredible so that is something to be thankful for definitely when you think about it what would you say of course as of now we're in 2020 what would you say the goals are for the future of dpw i think the goal is regardless of if it's dpw or if it's another company here in dubai or if it's another company here in the uae um i think our vision is just to spread that we can do it just as good or we can match mm-hmm. up to what the outside are doing we just want to show that we have the same passion as the people outside and that you can get local talent that are really really good you don't have to look outside to get what you want like to chase your dreams you can do it in your own backyard you don't have to do it 
flying out a thousand miles or this and that. We want to provide that dream for people, like regardless of if it's DPW or if it's any other company here in the UAE, because to be honest, speaking frankly with you, we don't know the future of DPW, but we know the future of our roster and our talent that we've uh, had over the years. We know that we're a family, like even with this break we've been having with DPW, we're still so interconnected with our lives. We're speaking on a daily basis. We have a group on WhatsApp. So we haven't lost contact. That's the amazing thing mm -hmm. about this is that we're a family at the end of the day. It doesn't have to be DPW. It doesn't have to be another company. But um, we're just trying to make it work for all of us. Yeah, it's like a group of brothers, you know, there's that camaraderie, you're all together, one big family, and you're all and you have the passion and the love for it. So nothing will break that, you know, with or without any promotion, you'll always kind of be there and you, you all of you love wrestling. I think that's the key. The best thing that you said that really kind of, for me had a light bulb moment was actually you're right yeah. this is the only place like dpw is the only place where you can get homegrown talent here you can get local talent where it they trained here they started here and they're as good as you know the rest of the exactly. world you don't need to import talent from you know other countries or the us or anywhere else and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that like that's not. fine if you want to do that that you know we the uk does it yeah. loads we you know we always get Amer americans yeah. and you know guys from mexico and japan and that's fine but there's sometimes there's no better feeling than uh, for the fans as well to c turn up to a show and go wow that guy's from exactly. there you know that or that guy's you know that guy trained yeah. here like for example you, you you said your character's name is Faisal yeah. Emirat it says it in your yeah, name exactly. <laughs> you got it in your name you are Emirati yeah. like you are homegrown yeah. talent so when assuming that the company grows big and becomes nationwide people are going to know exactly. you people are going to be like this guy is one of us yeah. that's somebody I can support exactly. I can buy his t-shirt I can be emotionally yeah. invested in it, you know and support him and that there's there's no better feeling than that yeah. because that's how you grow and every country does it you know like i said mexico japan yeah. you know we, all across europe uh, even in in asia now it's growing big in many countries india pakistan yeah. they're all like growing their own talent so i think dpw has been the the best thing out of that is the opportunity that you guys that you know obviously caleb caleb starting yeah. it but then you and sam the opportunity you've given each other yeah. you know it's just incredible I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a, an expert, but I, I would go as far as saying I think this is the only promotion in the UAE for Definitely, sure. Definitely, 100%. Am it's, I correct? It's the first of its kind in the entire Middle East. Like, we're the first wrestling school in the entire Middle East. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, I know there's a couple here and there, maybe, you know, like I said, in, in sort of other yeah. places, but I think this is the first yeah. one. De I mean, for sure, it must be the first one in the GCC, yeah, you know, where you're, where you're taking exactly. guys as well. You're taking, you know, for your guys from yeah. here and yeah. training them up, giving exactly. them the opportunity. If you could do anything differently, like anything at all, uh, you know, good or bad, would there be anything looking back over the past five years? Mm. I think one one thing I think we would have done differently is maybe give more of like have more of open arms towards international talent um, instead of closing mm -hmm. it off so early. 
Um, I think definitely before we didn't have the capabilities, but more towards the time where we almost did have the capabilities, we still were very closed off with our local talent. So I think if we had more of open arms for international talent, even if it was just one or two, um, it would have changed mm -hmm. our dynamic a lot more. People would so do you mean international talent as in like uh, established guys or, or international talent as maybe lesser known guys, but from other parts of the world? Um, not even established. It doesn't have to be someone like Cody Rhodes or John Morrison or so on and so forth. It, it, even if it was just like a, a someone that's not even an international star, but someone local in, in the UK, someone in the States who just fly mm -hmm. over here, you know, just to learn a different style, who's established in their own right, but not worldwide, you know? just to give mm -hmm. a feel with the other people because I feel like our students and our the talent we have now are very used to each other that we'd love some different person in the mix to just teach them something different so they're not used to what they know to try something different I think that would really teach absolutely them yeah I mean it would shake things up a bit you know and it gets everybody on their you know on their yeah. a game and they're like whoa you know there's a new guy how's this gonna go the chemistry yeah, and the you know it's always good to kind of shake things up and get that that you know that vibrant kind of feel like it's true you're right but i think you guys have done the right thing for the for yeah. the most part in terms of growing the attention to detail you've given yeah. it the all access that you've had yeah. available on the website yeah. uh even even your website it's so yeah. user friendly that if you don't know what what dpw is you can go on the website and you can actually find yeah. out really well you know if you're a, if you're a parent and your kid is like you yeah. know growing up and wants to train you have yeah. that. You have that on the exactly. website. It's all the information is right there, which I think a lot of indie sh promotions they're not necessarily up exactly. to par from the technology side point. You know, they're not. They don't I have agree. that. You know, they might have a bit of a website, but DPW has always been good with yeah, the technology. Exactly. I think the the production value of your videos, the yeah. websites, and that will always be. You know, we're we're approaching this new era of technology. Yeah. You know, I think Dubai has always been prepared for it as yeah. well. Uh, you know, as a whole. So I think there's no better time than to be on your A yeah. game with websites. You know, social media than yeah. now. So I think you guys are doing well. That's incredible. I mean, look, I came at the wrong time, <laughs> to be honest with you, because you said that Caleb yeah. left in August 2018. Yeah. And you know what? I moved here in September 2018. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just literally just came. Yeah. yeah, just towards the end. I think you guys did, you know, one or two yeah. more shows uh, or a couple of shows yeah. after that. And then, uh, and then it, you know, yeah. that was it. So it's, uh, I hope yeah, it definitely. comes back, you know, I, I'm as a fan as well, speaking from a fan's perspective, I, I would love to attend yeah, one of the definitely. shows and, and, you know, wherever you are, when you have that love for wrestling, exactly. you want to see it flourish, you know, so I hope, you know, of course, you, when the time is right, I think it definitely. will all happen the way it's meant yeah. to be. And in the meantime, you know, just whenever the, you know, that whenever the it's ready, oh, you'll yeah. know it's ready because everything will fall exactly. into place. All the right things will happen and you will feel that exactly. positive vibe. So, uh, and, and when that time does come, it just oh, let me definitely. know. Man. <laughs> We're as eager to have you as you are to be here. That's awesome, man. I'm grateful for that. I'm very grateful. But, um, you know, do you are you watching the, obviously the current state of wrestling at the moment? Are you following? Yeah, it kind I, of, uh, I, I think I've been following it more recently, recently more than I have before, just because of the state it's in. Uh, it's more, it's mm -hmm. intriguing to see it in this light. Yeah, I don't personally enjoy it. Like, 
I wouldn't consider this WrestleMania that just passed as a WrestleMania. It just didn't feel like it. But it was mm. intriguing to watch. Yeah, I mean, they did yeah. some good stuff. Uh, my favorite match was probably oh, the Boneyard match. I think, yeah, it was good because it gave Taker that opportunity. to. It was kind of like, you know, you don't exactly. have to worry about anything going wrong. Yeah. It's like a movie. And AJ yeah, is awesome amazing. at what he does. He can sell amazing. it so well. I think that was the Definitely. highlight for me. 100%. As you said, the rest of it yeah. was a bit, you know, it yeah. is what it is. You can't, you know, I, I could never fault yeah. them because we're in the situation we're in. So they, for what they're making of it, I, I always give 100%. them props. So I always say, you know what, yeah. you're doing good considering yeah. what's going on. Do you follow AEW? Uh, I used to really like every week, but then I, it just died down for me. I don't know why. Um, I really yeah. look into the swing of it because uh, I want to watch that uh, Nick Jackson and Matt Jackson match. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I am a big fan of them. I think yeah. they're doing good. I support, uh, like I said, any kind of new promotion deserves support. I guess the big question is, do you think that they could ever reach a stage where they compete with WWE? That's a good question. I've thought about that since the day they've they've announced their flourishing, like when they were starting. Um, I think mm. I don't think they'll ever reach the stage where WCW and WWF had back in the day. But I mm-hmm. think they'll get to a point. I mean, they've already gotten to the point where WWE is talking about them. And WWE is actually using like a few precautions because of them, so they are making that buzz. Mm-hmm. But I just like it just doesn't go through my head that a company could actually compete with WWE just because of how big it is. It's just too big to compete with. Yeah, I mean, it seems it seems like an impossible task. I mean, TNA exactly. tried to do it, and it just didn't. You know, they were they were the second biggest promotion, but yeah, by a long way. Exactly. You know, so it's just it's one of those things. I don't yeah. think anyone can ever compete. But then again, exactly. you never know, and that's what makes that's exactly. what makes it great. Competition Definitely. is always great. So you know, yeah. we'll have to see. Well, okay. Sure. One last question before before I leave you, I, I want to ask you: What is your favorite belt, and hmm. why? My favorite belt and why. I think, I don't know why, but this belt has always been the most intriguing to me, and I've ordered a replica of it. Um, It's the uh, undisputed uh, WWE champion, the undisputed one. The one that JBL had, the one that they used to carry around. I love the design and intricacy of it. Like when I had it in person, I just looked at it and just loved every detail of it. It just is a statement in itself. I don't know why. Honestly, and this is the truth, that's also (laughs) one of my favorites. I When Brock Lesnar held it, uh, I was just such a fan of it. It just looked so good. For me, it's going to be that one. And then, of course, the big gold the wcw in the world that's that's one of my favorites as well i remember when i got it in person i just had to have it because i met rick flair once so i had to have him sign it for me (laughs) that i met uh, the undertaker uh three times so i had to have him sign it for me as well (laughs) so that's That's a a good title to have as well exactly it's such a classic isn't it it looks and feels like a championship 
Well, Mohammed, no thank you so much for your time. I'm really appreciative of that. You know, it's, it's been it's been Definitely. so good talking to you and just hearing about you know the birth yeah. of DPW, the the progression of it, and truthfully, there, there's a bright future for it. You know, it's the first of its kind yeah. in the GCC. It's truly Definitely. one of a kind as well, and it's it's a hub where people can actually train. Uh, you know, kids can actually look forward to training there, and the ones that have trained can can become exactly. stars. You know. No worries. Thank you My so pleasure. much for your time. I truly appreciate talking to you. I've learned so much as well. And that's truly, uh, you know, it's amazing to hear about, obviously, on yeah. this side of the world, yeah. how it is on TV, the yeah. old videotapes, you know, the, the yeah. live events. Um, I'm going to go back and watch. I think I'm going to go on YouTube yeah. now after this and, and rewatch that uh, video of John yeah. Cena Kane <laughs> at the Burj Khalifa. <laughs> I remember yeah. it was ages ago, but I remember seeing it as a yeah. kid and thinking, like, what is happening? Very intriguing. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. no worries. Thank you so much, Mohammed. It's great talking Definitely. to you. Let's do it again soon. You too. Have a good Bye. evening. Take care. Bye.